right, good morning. I mean, delighted to bring God's Word to you today. And if you have your Bible and you're at home, so I hope that you do, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. And in Matthew 18 this morning, uh, we haven't been doing this as part of a series, but Lewis gave me this opportunity to preach, and I, I really appreciate this opportunity to be able to serve the body of Christ in this way and bringing the Word of God. And so we haven't been in a series in this, but this is a, this is a message I got to preach at the LSEBCM and also while I was in Belize, and it's a message that's near and dear to my heart, and uh, as it's had great impact on me and on others that I've been able to share it with. And I just wanted to share this text of Scripture with you today because the Word of God is living and active. It's powerful, and it has a great purpose in transforming us and more into the image of Christ. And so let's go ahead and read our text this morning, and we'll get started. Starting in verse 21, Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him as many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, Pay what you owe. So his fellow servants fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. He refused. And went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servants saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their master all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, You wicked servant! I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? And in anger his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. So looking at the context of this passage as we get into it, you know, we got to ask what provokes Peter's question? He asks, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Well, if we look in the previous paragraph right before this, we see this exhortation about how to handle a brother who sins against you. Look at verse 15 to 20. It reads, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. That's based out of the Old Testament law. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church or the assembly of gathered believers. And if he refuses to listen even to the church... Let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector or someone who's lost, someone who's not part of the family of God. Truly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there there am I among them. And so this is the context of church discipline that we see here. And what's happening in verse 15 to 20, that there's authority that the church has to say, to declare who is or who is not a believer based on the fruit of their repentance. 
if they're truly repentant people, especially if there's a sin that they've committed, and you've gone through this process of one-on-one confronting that person, and then with two or three others, and then the whole church, and if they still refuse to repent, your response is to treat them like a lost person. How do you treat lost people? You tell them about Jesus. You love them, and you, you encourage them toward repentance. You plead with them toward repentance. So that leads us to our text today. So there's a, an offended brother, right? And Peter's like, well, let me think about this. Okay, how often, if my brother sins against me, should I forgive him? And he suggests to, to Jesus as many as seven times. So, it's, you know, we think of the number seven in the Bible, it's the number of, like, completion. But even the rabbis back in that day, they, they said um, three times. You should forgive three. But what does Peter say here? He goes beyond. He says, you know, let me... Let me think even more about this. Seven times. And Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. You know, this echoes a phrase, actually, in the Old Testament. You know, um, Jewish kids, as they grew up, they would memorize the first five books of the Bible. Genesis to Deuteronomy. They'd memorize that. And so hearing a phrase like that coming out of the lips of Jesus would bring to mind what was said in Genesis chapter 4. So if you have your Bible, you can turn over there real fast, but Genesis chapter 4, verses 23 and 24. It says this, Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zilhah, hear my voice. The wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is 77-fold. Wow. So Lamech kills a young man for wounding him. And his vengeance, he's giving a warning. If anyone tries to mess me, if anyone tries to offend me, if anyone comes against me, my vengeance will be 77-fold. I'm going all out to get back at you. That's Lamech's response. He's eager for vengeance. If someone offends him, He's not holding back. He's eager to avenge. But what do we say Jesus says to do here? What does he seem to be implying even here? I did not say to you seven times, don't just forgive seven and and forget him and push him away. You forgive 77 times. You have an eagerness to forgive. You want to forgive. It reminds me of what Paul says in Ephesians. Be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. To be eager to maintain unity means you go to your offended brother. You approach that brother. You love them, and you plead with them to forgive. This also echoes what Jesus says in another gospel, Luke chapter 17. It's a very similar question about forgiveness and repentance. Luke 17, verse 3 to 4. It says this, Pay attention to yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in the day and turns to you seven times saying, I repent, you must forgive him. Notice it doesn't say you should think about forgiving him. Maybe you should do this. It's a command. You must forgive him if he turns to you seven times in a day. Why? Well, let's see how this parable unfolds. And we'll see why that's the case that we should be eager to forgive. But before I lay out the parable and we walk through it step by step, based off of Peter's question, I want to share my main idea for the message with you. The main idea is this. True Christians don't measure forgiveness. True Christians don't measure forgiveness. They give it immeasurably. True Christians don't measure forgiveness. They give it immeasurably. Let's let's read the text. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. So when it means to settle accounts, he means he's making judgments and he's going to 
deal with his debts that he has toward those who, who owe him. So this is a judgment the king is making. So he gets to the first one. And when he gets to this one, this one owed him 10,000 talents. Now, one talent is 20 years wages. 20 years. So time that by 10,000, which is obviously a massive number, that's 200,000 years wages. If, you know, I, I don't know anyone that old, you know, that's, that, 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 that could obviously live that long, and no one in the Bible lived that long. So it's obviously, what's the point? It's an impossible amount to pay. You could never pay it off. It's impossible. 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, what happens? His master ordered him to be sold with his wife and with his children and all that he had and payment to be made. So what happens? This servant. Notice what he does. He falls on his knees, which is a sign of humility. He's trying to humble himself. He's not trying to stand as an equal before the king, but stand as someone lower than the king. And he implores him. He begs him, have patience with me. I need your patience. Treat me with patience. And I will pay you everything. Now, obviously, this man does not know what he's saying in the sense of being able to pay everything. Of course he can't pay everything, but he's so desperate. He, that's what he says. He says, I'll pay you everything. Just please have patience with me. And the king, the master, has pity he, or has compassion for him. He sees him there. And the master of that servant, he released him. He no longer held that debt. He forgave him the debt. You see, this word forgiveness, it literally has this idea of releasing a debt. One, one thing I like to do with people when I talk about releasing a debt is I make them squeeze their hand. I, make, I don't see you at home, but if you're, if you're at home, grip your hands as hard as you can. Let's grip as hard as you can. Dig those fingers into your palms. Grip them as hard as you can, all your strength, and then let it go. It's a, it's a big relief, isn't it? You feel a great relief of the tension being gone. That's what happens when we forgive. We release a debt, and that releases the tension that's in, within your heart of unforgiveness. When you as a Christian should be forgiving, we should be forgiving, right? And there's that tension that's there. We want that tension to go away, and Christ wants that tension to go away as well. Now, it's not merely a therapeutic thing. Obviously, it has those kind of effects to make us better. God knows what he's talking about when he talks about forgiveness. We should forgive. And we see here this debt that the, the master releases. It's a debt that he holds against him for the sin that he had committed. And this is a parable, of course. And, and he's not... He's, he's not dealing with sin in particular, it's, it's with money, but this is where it's going. It's, it deals with our sin. Forgiveness, when we talk about forgiveness among ourselves, it has to do with the sin that someone committed against us. So someone might do a great wrong to you. You might have been abused by someone in the past. It might be something smaller. It might be you know, a, a small dispute with a friend or a sibling. It could be any of those things. And they've wronged you. You've been offended. So what should your response be? Well... The text of Scripture is really clear. We must forgive. Now, they may not be repentant right away, but you know what? Even if they're not repentant yet, you can prepare your heart by going to God about it and praying and saying, God, I forgive them. Help me to continually forgive them. Help me to walk rightly with them. And we're going to look at a text a little later that's going to help us lay that out as we get to application. But let's continue walking through the text, and then we'll come back to application. So the servant is released. He's forgiven this massive debt. He would never pay off. And what happens next? That same servant goes out. He found one of his fellow servants who owed him 100 denarii. Now, denarii is one day's wages. 
100 denarii, so that's three months worth of wages, 100 days worth of wages. Now, you and I, we could probably not handle losing three months' wages. I mean, some of y'all might have to handle that right now, given the coronavirus, and it's a difficult thing. So we can imagine three months' wages is still a good amount of money. It still has an impact, but it is nowhere near in comparison to 200,000 200, years worth of wages versus 100 days. It's nothing. It's small. It's nowhere near comparable. It doesn't say it doesn't hurt, but still, it's nowhere near comparable. So what happens? This servant who was forgiven of the great amount seizes him. Do we see the master seizing the servant like this? No. And what does he do? He begins to choke him. He grabs him by the throat. He says, pay what you owe. He demands him to pay. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. Have patience with me and I will pay you. The same word for word phrase that he had just said moments ago. But what does he do? He refuses. And he went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. So what happens? His fellow servants, they see what takes place. And if, if you're like these fellow servants, you'd be greatly distressed to hear and to see this happen. It's a horrible thing to happen. And they go and they report this to the king. So the master summons him and says, you wicked servant. I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. You begged me. This guy begged him too. And he would not forgive. And should you not have mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? You guys know what mercy is? Mercy is choosing to withhold wrath. Grace is being given undeserved kindness. But mercy is withholding wrath. I used to play these games with my older cousins where you'd you know, you grab each other's hands and they'd, they'd bend them down and you'd say uncle or you'd say mercy, right? And it hurt. And what, what am I saying when I say mercy? I'm saying, stop, it hurts. Like withhold this pain from me, right? So we want mercy. And this guy was shown mercy. And look at this main question that's being asked here. This is the, the crux of the passage here, these next three verses. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant, as I had mercy on you. There's imitation that should have happened here that didn't. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So what's that mean, essentially? He's never going to pay it. That is a, that is a, a, that's a life sentence to jail. A life sentence to judgment. And the story ends. In Jesus... Looking back at verse 23, the kingdom of heaven being compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant says, this king is my heavenly father. Verse 35, so also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother. It doesn't end there, right? What is the last three words? From your heart. And that's key. It's from the inside of you. I could easily say something with my lips and my heart not mean it. We must forgive from our heart. That's how we should forgive one another. You see, when we look at God and what He's done for us, when we look at His forgiveness to us, and we choose not to forgive a brother, there's a warning in this passage. This passage is not a a feel-good passage, make you feel good, and and all nice inside, except for unless you're just reflecting that God is forgiving. Yeah, that's great. But it's a warning to to us who if a brother offends us and we don't make it right, if a brother offends us and and we don't show forgiveness, then there's there's danger of judgment. No matter if you've professed to be a Christian with your lips, 
your heart is far from God. And that's a great danger to you and to me, to any of us who say we are followers of Jesus. He's forgiven us of all of our sin, and yet we won't forgive our brother. Mark eleven twenty five. it says this, And whenever you stand praying, forgive. Now, praying is a private matter, right? So this is in the privacy of your time praying. Forgive if you have anything against anyone. So, obviously, you're not before that person at the moment, but you are privately by yourself. And if you have anything against anyone, you must forgive them privately in prayer. Why? Here's the, per- the text tells you, so that your Father also, who is in heaven, may forgive you your trespasses. You see, you can't be forgiven if you're not willing to also forgive. You can't be forgiven unless you are willing also to forgive. So reflecting on what God has done for us, think about your own sin. You know, God, He's, he's omniscient. That means He's all-knowing. He knows all of your sin past, present, and future. When you were lost and you didn't even care about your sin, you weren't even counting how many times you sinned, God had a record, a massive record of debt because you had broken his law. And just think about it. Each sin, you're lying to your parents, you're hitting your brother or your sister, you're stealing something from the candy store. You just keep going down the list and all these sins are adding up. This record of debt is building and and it's, it's becoming like a scroll and you're having to unroll it on the floor and it's long and it gets bigger and bigger. In this massive record of debt that you owe because you've broken God's law and you stand condemned. Why? Because God, if He's just, He's going to punish sin. If God is just, He'll punish sin. He is just, so He will punish sin. And when it comes down to it, if you and I don't respond to God rightly, He is holy, He is perfect, but we are sinners and we are in need of salvation. So that's why He sent His Son, Jesus. See, Jesus lived a perfect life. He died on the cross for our sins. That's what we're celebrating in this Easter season, celebrating the resurrection of Christ, that he died on the cross for our sins. He was our substitute. He stood in our place. His blood was spilt for our account. We owed God. But because we could never pay the insurmountable amount, God had pity on us, and and, and he sent his son. He had compassion on us, and he sent his son, Jesus. And Jesus, in his love for you, in his love and obedience for his father, poured out his life, but he didn't stay dead. He rose again from the grave. He, he was delivered up on the cross for our trespasses, but he was raised for our justification. It was to declare us righteous before God, to clear that account. One of my favorite passages in all of scripture, in Colossians 2, it beautifully illustrates what this record of debt, what happens to this record of debt. Colossians 2, 13 through 14. Notice what the text says. And you who were dead in your trespasses, in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us, there's our word, forgiveness, having forgiven us all our trespasses. How did he do it? By canceling the record of debt. That stood against us with what? With its legal demands. We owed God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. You and I work, and we work for a paycheck, and that work equals that paycheck. A laborer deserves his wages. Well, you know what our labor often is? It's sin. We 
wake up first thinking about ourselves. We go to bed thinking about ourselves. All day we think about ourselves in such a way where we, we walk all over other people or we hurt other people or we ignore other people. There's so many ways we hurt people and we, we sin against God. And you know what? When we do that, we are revealing our depravity. And this record of debt, like I mentioned a moment ago, continues to build against us. And there are demands that must be met. And that demand was met in Christ. But it's not for, it's not for everyone just to, just to get it. If, or if they don't believe, you have to repent. Repentance is key. Repentance is a change of direction, a change of mind. So you're going one way and you say, I'm not going to go this way anymore. And you turn around and you go that way. It's a change of mind, a change of direction. It's got to happen inside and out. And that's the point here. You see, Christians, true Christians, we don't measure forgiveness. We don't say, okay, I'll forgive you three or four times, but look, I'm tired of you doing the same sin to me over and over again. I'm tired of it. You know, that, that's not how we respond. What if God got tired of us? <laughs> right? You know, the, the Bible talks about how God is gracious and merciful. He's slow to anger. He's abounding in steadfast love. That He is long-suffering to you and me. I wish I had God's patience sometimes. I know I mess up. I make mistakes. But I am immensely grateful that God is long-suffering. That God is forgiving. And we look here at the text of Scripture. God makes us alive when we come to Him, dead in our trespasses, and ask for forgiveness of our sins. And He cleanses us of all unrighteousness. So maybe if you're someone who doesn't know Christ and you're, you're watching this live stream this morning, for you today, you need to accept that relationship with God. You need to accept that gift, free gift of salvation. You know, we're all sinners. I know I'm a sinner. I've made mistakes. But because of what Christ has done, I'm not going to pay for my sin. He paid for my sin on the cross. He took the account of I owed, the record of debt that I owed, it's nailed to the cross. It's taken care of. Is your sin taken care of this morning, unbeliever? It can be. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you call on Him, He will save you. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, Jesus, you will be saved. That can be true of you this morning. Maybe you're a believer this morning and you are wrestling with unforgiveness. You know, being quarantined, you know, you're having to be around your family a whole lot more. I'm sure your sin nature is showing quite a bit more. Even though you have that new nature in Christ, your sin nature is probably coming out a bit more, being irritated, being worried, being stressed, being anxious. And you might be snapping at others. You might be hurting others. People might be hurting you. Are you practicing forgiveness in your home as you're quarantined, as you're together? Let me encourage you to be eager to maintain that unity in your home. Maybe God is using this time and hopefully using this text in your heart this morning to show you not to measure forgiveness, but to give it immeasurably as Christ has immeasurably given it to you. Brother, sister, can I urge you? Imitate Christ. He knows what he's doing. Walk in love. Follow Jesus. Be an example to your family. Be an example to the lost. Die to yourself. That's what Jesus did. You can do it if you trust him and you walk with him. And my prayer this morning is that you would respond rightly to the word. As you think of this text overall, 
Forgive your brother. Forgive your sister, not just from your lips, but from your heart. Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We thank you for this time in your word. We thank you, God, that you forgive and that you changed our lives. Lord, because of your forgiveness, we are made new. Because of your forgiveness, we have hope. Because of your forgiveness, our debt is gone. You didn't hold it against us when we came to you in humility. You didn't hold it against us when we humbled ourselves and fell to our knees and begged you to have patience with us. You forgave us of everything. So God, I ask that this morning you would show forgiveness to those who are lost, that they would come to you, that they would trust you for salvation. God, if there's anyone resisting that right now, I just pray that you would soften their heart to you, that they would feel that weight of their sin on their shoulders, like in Pilgrim's Progress with with Christian coming on the hill of Calvary, and that weight on his shoulders, and when he fell at the cross, that weight of sin rolled off and fell into a hole never to be seen again. God, may that be true of the unbeliever listening in this morning. May that be true of him or her who desperately needs salvation. And God, also I just pray for the believer this morning who, who tuned in. God, I pray that they would not hold bitterness in their heart. God, I pray that they would not allow sin to get a foothold in their life. But God, that they would be quick to reconcile with a brother or sister. That they would be an example to others in how they forgive. That they would not measure how many times they forgive, but they would give it immeasurably. Lord, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for your blood spilt for us. And we trust in that righteousness that we never had. We trust in your righteousness. And we praise you for it. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.